I suppose you will be curious to know how this topic is treated in the high school textbook. I quoted earlier in this chapter. Here it is. The first permanent settlement in New England was made by the pilgrims, or separatists, who established a colony in the coast of Massachusetts in 1620. This settlement, like Jamestown, was promoted by a commercial company. These early settlers were interested in improving their economic condition, but there was another factor which played a very important part, namely religion. End of excerpt. And that's about all that needs to be said about the writing of textbooks, except for one thing. Textbooks, as I said, don't depend upon acceptance by their readers. They're not written by people who make a living by writing. They're usually done in a hurry and on the side. And all that means that the things you are apt to find in a typical textbook are usually trite, often wrong, and sometimes downright nonsense. This book is not the place to go into that side of textbook writing, but I think just for the fun of it, we might take a few minutes to look over a textbook in rhetoric and composition. The subject of this book. This is what college students are taught these days. Subordination of clauses. Weak. Yesterday, I was sitting in my front yard when a car crashed through the hedge. Proper subordination. Yesterday, when I was sitting in my yard, a car crashed through the hedge. The so-called weak sentence is good conversational English. The proper subordination completely spoils the surprise. Begin of excerpt. A writer can nearly always strengthen the force of an expression that seems to him somewhat feeble by changing the more important loose sentences into the periodic form. Here's a loose example. My poor grades were the subject of the dean's talk to me after he had asked about my father's health and how soon the new fraternity house would be completed. Here's a periodic example. The subject of the dean's talk to me after he had asked about my father's health and how soon the new fraternity house would be completed was my poor grades. Both sentences were very feeble, but the recommended periodic sentence is clearly feebler. Nobody talks like that anyway. In conversation, rhetorical questions and exclamations are naturally quite often resorted to. In order to stress certain of our remarks, we ask, What was to be done next? Or we exclaim in some such fashion as this, Would that I could call back what I said next. In writing, except of a very informal nature, rhetorical devices of this kind should seldom if ever be used for the purpose of securing emphasis. End of excerpt. 
So rhetorical devices are too informal for good writing, is that it? And are these maiden auntish examples of conversation supposed to be taken from real life? Yes, I realize that the trouble with textbooks is not just a style. Maybe it's a blessing that most of them do not invite or permit fluent reading. Chapter 18. What Price Copy? Among writers, there is one group who really have gone to town with psychology and modern research methods. I mean, of course, the advertising copywriters. Only this one among all the branches of writing can boast of a whole shelf of scientific handbooks on how to write, of costly readership investigations, of experimental texts, rather tests, of words and word combinations. The copywriters have it all figured out. The result? Simplicity is best. Quote, Simple advertising costs least and sells most, says Kenneth M. Good in his book How to Write Advertising, and literally every book on the subject repeats this advice in more or less the same words. It's an established fact that drink Coca-Cola, call for Philip Morris, are just the best ads there are. So far, so good. And there wouldn't be any point in mentioning advertising in a book on plain talk if all copywriters would follow that simple pattern. But they don't. And a typical ad reads like this. You see a picture of a woman and two children reading a letter. My dearest three. A gentle young wife. Two tussle-headed kitties. This Dresden China trio is the dynamo that powers the toughest marine in the outfit. Don't let your fighting man down. Don't relax your war efforts. Our heartening victories do not mean that shortages are over. Textiles, for instance, particularly sheets, will continue to be scarce. So coax every last bit of wear out of the sheets you have. And when at last it becomes necessary to replace them, buy wisely. Look for the best possible combination of desired qualities at the lowest price. Look for Pacific sheets in which smoothness, softness, whiteness, firmness, and strength are skillfully balanced to give you the utmost in service and comfort. Or here's another typical ad of a picture of a baby. You know, I'm new here. Indeed you are. And I'm afraid you'll be, you'll find things are different today than if you'd arrived a few years ago. Different? How do you mean? Take telephones as an example. Before the war, we were glad to install one for everybody who asked. Now there are a few available and folks must wait for their turn. Because manpower and manufacturing facilities are needed to make the communications and electronic equipment for our fighting men. Here's the third one. A picture of George Washington in a jeep. 
George Washington could have had a jeep. All the raw materials needed to build a jeep were obtained in George Washington's time. Only the knowledge of how to obtain them, refine them, and fabricate them into such a vehicle was lacking. At Alcoa, we, we call this important ingredient imagineering. That's our handy word for letting imagination soar and then engineering it down to practical use. Do you see what all these ads have in common? You've noticed, of course, that they are written in the same unmistakable advertising jargon. But why is that? Well, let's look at the situation. Here's the reader happily enjoying a piece of interesting news in time or a pleasantly sentimental story in good housekeeping. It's a copywriter's job to interrupt the reader with something so startling or engaging that he or she will switch from the story to the ad. Then, once the reader is caught by the ad headline, the baby, the mother, and the children, Washington in a Jeep, there follows some tricky word juggling, and all of a sudden he or she is reading about sheets or telephones or aluminum. The rest is easy. With the help of a phony, for instance, or an arrogant at, the name of the client is slipped in, a few expensive-looking touches are added, a Dresden China Dynamo or Imagineering, and there we are. In fact, this sort of ad practically writes itself. 